On this week's Unreported World podcast, Ramita Navai follows the people fleeing their homeland in Eritrea for a new life in Israel, and she hears about the smugglers who benefit from the migrants' desperation to escape. We arrived in Cairo, the capital of Egypt, just over a month after the revolution that toppled the regime of Hosni Mubarak. There were still signs of the unrest. Egypt's in a state of transition at the moment following the revolution. The military's in control and the police aren't fully back on the streets, which means it's the perfect time for criminals to take advantage of the situation. We headed northeast into the Sinai Desert. It's inhabited by Bedouin Arabs. For years, they've smuggled weapons and goods to Palestinian groups in Israel and Gaza. But we'd heard reports they were now smuggling a new commodity, people. Our destination was a location deep inside the desert. We've finally been given the go-ahead to visit a safe house where some migrants are being kept. It's such a secretive, well-organized operation. We had to meet whole networks of smugglers before we got permission to come here. We were met by one of the people smugglers. Salam. Salam, I'm Ramita. Thanks for meeting us. He said everyone here was fleeing Eritrea, a country in East Africa nearly a thousand miles away. He's leading me into the house now. It's an incredible scene. You can see the sleeping conditions here. They're sleeping in rows. They're all covering their faces. We're being told to come into this room. And there are still more of them. And this is just one group who have been smuggled through Egypt. There were a hundred Eritreans crammed into four small rooms. Last week, there are children here and family. Go to Israel. Right. And how many women now in this room? I can't this, tell. In One, this, in this two. room, eat. In this okay. room, eat. The migrants were terrified of arrest by Egyptian border guards. The Mubarak regime regularly sent migrants back to Eritrea, flouting UN rules forbidding deportation to countries that torture. People are very scared to talk to us here. We asked everybody and they said they can't talk on camera. They're scared of reprisals. Their families are still in Eritrea. But these two men here, they said they'll talk to us anonymously. Omar and Joseph had been in the hands of smugglers for over a month. They'd paid $2,000 each for their passage. Explain to me why everyone is so fearful. If our faces are shown, our families will be caught by the regime at home. Why are you all wanting to leave Eritrea? There's war and problems in Eritrea. If you're involved in politics, you go to jail. The regime is bad and we just want to be safe. 21-year-old Joseph told us the Eritrean regime forcibly conscripted men and women. This young man was at school when he was forced to join the army. He says he was badly tortured there. He managed to escape to Sudan, where he wasn't welcome, and that's why his dream now is to make it to Israel. A 
predominantly Christian country, Eritrea has spent decades at war with its neighbors, and it now has one of the largest armies in Africa. Conscription can be indefinite, and deserters can be tortured or killed. When we tried to leave Eritrea, the soldiers shot at us. But we managed to escape. Then I spent two days in the desert with two other people. Then we entered Sudan with God's help. It was the worst journey of my life. Omar and Joseph's group had been here for over a week, waiting for the next stage of the journey. They weren't only risking arrest and deportation back to Eritrea, Egyptian border guards have shot and killed scores of migrants as they've tried to cross the border. They're not allowed out of this compound here because it's too dangerous. There are lookouts as well checking to make sure that nobody comes near here. In the yard, we met Sami, who agreed to talk to us openly. He said he had no family left in Eritrea. Like many of the men and women in the holding house, he had also deserted the army. He'd been forced to serve for over six years. Sami says any Eritrean can be forced to join the army from the ages of 15 to 55, and that includes women. You're only meant to serve for one and a half years, but he says in reality, you can serve much more. Torture, starvation and slave labor are commonplace. Sami had been so desperate to get out, he'd left with nothing. He's been in the Sinai Desert for six months, and that's because he hasn't paid up for the whole journey, and he's been trying to get the money together to pay the full amount so then he can be taken to Israel. Sami, how are you earning the money to get out of here? He was working for the smugglers as a translator. He didn't know how long it would take to pay off his debt. Sami and the others are fleeing a country where arbitrary arrest is common and where tens of thousands languish in secret underground jails. Eritrea produces more refugees than almost any other country in the world. Nearly 2,000 people escape every month. Looking at a map, you can really appreciate how remarkable this journey the migrants are making is. This is the border with Sudan, which is hundreds of miles south of here, just to reach this point. Once they reach this point, they're smuggled all the way through the eastern part of the country, through the eastern desert here. They have to cross over the Suez Canal, the Gulf of Suez, and then they've got another journey through the desert in Sinai. Finally, they make it to the border with Israel. For the refugees, Israel promises safety and prosperity. While its Arab neighbors are in turmoil, Israel has one of the fastest growing economies in the world. The Bedouin smugglers are the only way of getting there, and one of them agreed to tell us how it was done. We've just arrived at a clearing in the middle of the desert. We're about an hour's drive from the nearest town, and we've been told that our meeting is up ahead. I can see a tent and a fire. Abu Suleiman is the mastermind of a people smuggling ring, transporting migrants into Israel. He's been doing it for three years. When Africans are smuggled, how does it work? 
How do they get through the whole country up to the desert here? He told me it was a sophisticated operation run by Bedouins in three different countries. A Bedouin tribe in Sudan picks up people and then they're transported through the country using vehicles, trucks, four by fours. There are three different stages and lots of tribes are involved. How do you avoid getting caught with a car full of illegal immigrants and refugees? The migrants are hidden under piles of goods such as sugarcane and the Bedouin bribe police when necessary. He explained that one smuggler can transport up to 4,000 migrants to Israel every two years. How much money will that make you? He said the trade can make you a rich man. You can understand why there are so many people involved in smuggling here. It's big bucks. Abu Suleiman says that the head of a smuggling ring can earn as much as $30,000 a month. Later that night, I was driven deeper into the desert and less than a mile away from the Israeli border. Our guys brought us to somewhere called a holding house. This is where people are kept before they make a run for the border. This was the final part of the operation. The refugees were about to embark on one of the riskiest parts of the journey. We've been told that a group of about 30 to 50 Eritreans will be driven across the border in the next 48 hours. They don't want us to follow, they say it's too dangerous. But our smuggler guide is in the car that's going to transport them here. Salam. The driver was planning how to avoid being shot at by Egyptian border guards. He'll be driving about 25 Eritreans in the back of this pickup truck. I don't know how 25 people will be able to fit in this tiny space. He says that he's going to cover them with tarpaulin. And then he doesn't know how long the journey will take. He says that they have to take the safest route. That could be half an hour to four hours, depending what the safest route is. And he says they wait to get a phone call that the coast is clear. That's when they, they make a dash for it. Some of the Eritreans had already arrived in the holding house. Again, most were too scared to talk to us on camera, apart from one who'd managed to get his family to safety. Tedesse was 25 years old and had deserted the army after five years. The journey was very bad. It was desert all the way. We faced thirst and starvation. Many died, including women and children. It was a very difficult 11 days. What are you hoping to find in Israel? I want to go to Israel to find work and send money back to my wife. Tedesse had left his wife and baby in a refugee camp in Sudan. Do you miss her? A lot. Why did you leave your wife behind to make this journey? 
أنا عاوز توكل وحدي أول شيء ما عندنا درهم عشان نتوكل. Because I don't have enough money for my wife to come with me. Also, she has a child and can't travel on bad roads by car. We saved money so I could travel. When I get a job, I'll bring my family. What do you know about crossing over the border into Israel? من الدولة للدولة الثانية لما نمشي لازم يكون الطريق يعني صعب جدا شوية شوية The journey is very bad. On the way, a lot of people die, but only God knows who will live and who will die. The route Tadesse was going to take could get him killed. Most of the 260-kilometer border is open, but Egyptian guards have been accused of using a shoot-to-kill policy against anyone found trying to cross into Israel illegally. Our guides are showing us the main smuggling route. We've just driven off-road and we're driving across sand dunes. 86 people have reportedly been killed crossing the border. Human rights groups claim the number is much higher. The Egyptian authorities deny using a shoot-to-kill policy but say lethal force is justified to stop illegal activity. We're right beside the border now. You can see it right there in front of us. And this is how close we are. That is an Israeli village. And that is what they're making their way to. We crossed over into Israel. Here, the migrants have another dangerous journey to make. If captured within 50 kilometers of the border, they can be handed over to the Egyptian authorities and can be sent back to Eritrea. This policy, known as hot returns, is controversial in Israel, even among its own troops. This soldier was ordered to return Eritrean refugees. He says that a group of 31 refugees were caught in the morning and then the evening. This gives you a sense of the scale of how many people are passing illegally through here. They caught another 13 refugees. He says that the refugees were then brought to this tree. They were loaded into three trucks and that's when he understood that they were going to be returned to Egypt. And he said, he said to his platoon commander, I can't do this. The soldier told us he still faces the threat of court-martial. Israeli human rights groups are now challenging the policy in the courts. We received a call from Tadesse. He'd been lucky. The Israeli security forces had arrested him rather than returning him to the Egyptian authorities. We've just found out that Tadesse is being held in this prison but we can't get access to him. I'm just relieved that he's safe. He made it across alive. Refugees like Tadesse, who avoid being hot returned, are detained for several weeks while their cases are reviewed. Many are given temporary visas to stay. We headed north to the city of Tel Aviv. This is Israel's business capital and the goal for the refugees. Kidane Isaac is a 25-year-old Eritrean who was smuggled over four years ago and now lives here legally. He said many of the 20,000 Eritreans who made it to Israel were now safe but destitute. Right. Oh, I can see yeah, I can. that uh, there are a lot of migrants yeah. sitting on the corners uh, of here. Course. They simply expire their, their time here, here in, the, in this park. Because there is no work, there is no life, they, they don't have anything to do. And then they just come here and they spend their time sitting together, chatting. 
Kidane had managed to get a job working nights as a baker. My room. And... He now rented a tiny shared room in a flat with 16 other refugees. This is my bed. This is a friend of mine. So two of you sleep in here? Yeah. He told me he'd wanted to be a journalist, but independent media is not allowed in Eritrea. He'd got caught trying to leave the country. They tortured us. You know, they are very criminals, you know, they are very cruel people. You were put in a military prison yeah, yeah, yeah. and you were tortured. I was tortured, but I managed to escape. Kidane was badly beaten and electrocuted. How long were you in the prison for? For four months. And one day we just managed to escape at night and we just ran out of... Just there, he's standing, the, the, the guard is standing and we just Did ran shoot? and shot a lot of fires at us. But fortunately we were not hit and we just... In his spare time, Kidane helps new arrivals. He told me that in recent months there'd been a disturbing new development. Some Bedouin smuggling gangs had started to hold refugees for ransom, extorting cash from relatives who already lived abroad. Men had been killed and women raped. Kidane's just brought us to a charity-run health centre. He says that it's the only place where... Refugees, migrants can get health care. In the past year, this clinic has been treating Eritreans who say they've been abused at the hands of their kidnappers. The manager, Raut Katz, said they see 700 patients a month. What are you finding with people who arrive here? About a year ago, we've started to find that um, over 50% of them reported some kind of physical abuse um, that varies. It could be some of them were burned in, in sand, some of them were, um, we, we know about uh, punching, whipping, feasts. Um, people have been chained to one another, that's very common. Many of them report that they've been held together and chained to one another for days and weeks. Um, also sexual assault, of course. So how many women do you suspect are being raped? Roughly 16% of the women interviewed reports being sexually assaulted. We assume that it's at least twice that number, if not more. At the moment, there's evidence that nearly 200 Eritreans are being held hostage in the Sinai Desert for ransom. Kidane had received a tip-off about one such group. He'd been given the number of a middleman who was known to be negotiating on behalf of the kidnappers. How much money are they insisting on? They are demanding $13,000 from each person. 13000 Yes. If they can't pay, they are going to suffer. They're being killed. At the beginning, there were 29 people. That means they're killing them for no reason? Of course. What are you saying? How many people have they killed? I have told you only 23 people remain. So out of the 29 people, 23 are left. So they're killing people? Yes, they're dying from torture, hunger and bullets because they haven't paid up. They also humiliate them with verbal abuse. Another man, who appeared to be one of the kidnappers, then came on the line. What do you need? We need money. You're demanding money? 
Yes. If they can't find it, what can they give you? If they can't pay, we'll slaughter them and sell their hearts for $50,000. Crazy conversation. I understand that they will kill them if they didn't get the money because they have been taken for several months, I think. Nobody is able to help them. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do now? We will tell the, the community here, I don't know. But I don't know how to do it because this is beyond our capacity. We spoke to a relative of one of the hostages. He's already sent $7,000. He can't afford the full amount. All 23 people in this group, including three women, are still being held. Kidane said many Eritreans were being kidnapped. He introduced me to Sion, who'd arrived three months ago after being held for ransom. Can you tell me what happened? They tied us together with a chain. We couldn't move. Four of us slept in an underground cell. We could only use the toilet once a day. One leg was locked. When we went to the toilet, they opened the lock. And the keys were kept by an armed guard. They gave us one piece of bread and a tomato each day. Her family, friends and family, had to sell everything they owned to pay her ransom. That's over $12,000, which is very huge. a very huge amount in Eritrea. Yeah, very hard to find that amount. Uh-huh. Would you make the same journey again to get out of Eritrea? This just goes to show you how bad the situation in Eritrea is and how desperate people are to leave because despite everything she's been through, Sion has just told us that she would do it all again to get out of Eritrea. Israel has appealed to the Egyptian authorities to investigate the kidnappings. So far, no cases have been pursued. Israel is now building an electronic fence to keep African migrants out. Yet Eritreans will continue to seek refuge here and in Europe from a regime that tortures and kills its own people. If you want to find out more about Eritreans being smuggled to Israel or any other issue covered by Unreported World, please visit our website at channel4.com slash unreportedworld. Thanks to Ramita Navai in the Sinai Desert with African migrants. Next week, Aidan Hartley is in Indonesia meeting environmental activists trying to save endangered species like orangutans and turtles. If you want to find out more about this podcast or any other program, go to the website channel4.com forward slash unreported world. <laughs>